Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Virginia Cindy Curry, the chairperson of the worship committee here at the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of Hartford County. It is with tremendous pleasure that I welcome all of you here this afternoon 
members, friends, musicians, visiting dignitaries. May all of you who have entered here today, who have come to share in our joy and witness the creation of covenant between minister and congregation, know that whatever your heritage, however your history, and whomever you love, that you are welcome here. Today we gather in gladness this special community that we call our church, a community of ages that sings its songs, tells its truths, asks its questions, and searches together with courage and with love. We come together at this time and in this place to cross over a bridge to a new path in our congregational life. So join with us as we welcome Reverend Maria U.T. McCabe with open minds, open hearts, and most assuredly, open arms. Into the fold. <laughs> wow. Of our beloved community. <laughs> Welcome to Adventures in Sound. We come together today to honor the universal community of seekers to which we all belong. Hoy nos reunimos para honrar a la comunidad universal en constante búsqueda a la cual pertenecemos todos. We gather together today to share from our deepest place of safety that we might nurture ourselves by celebrating one another. Nos Reunimos hoy para compartir desde una seguridad profunda que nosotros nos sostenemos en la celebración de cada uno. We call into our presence this hour our ancestors whose love, labor, and commitment made it possible for us to be here today. Invocamos la presencia de nuestros ancestros, su amor, su trabajo y sus compromisos que hicieron posible que estemos aquí ahora. Let us call one another to the table of abundance that we may feed on those fruits that sustain us and ever ask us to grow. Invitamos a la mesa de la abundancia a cada uno de nosotros para comer de estos frutos que nos sostienen y nos piden que sigamos creciendo. Let us open to this moment with hearts that have no borders. Que en este momento se abran nuestros corazones sin fronteras.
sound? Mm. So uh, I'm Patricia Infanti and I am delighted to be here and I'm here to bring greetings on behalf of our wider denominational family, the Unitarian Universalist Association of Member Congregations, your UUA staff, and our president, the Reverend Susan Frederick Gray. I also bring heartfelt greetings from your congregational life staff here in this area that we call the Central East region. Our region extends south from the Canadian border to the, Blue, to the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia and west from Connecticut into Ohio. We provide congregational support services for one-fifth of the congregations, approximately one-fifth of the congregations in the Unitarian Universalist Association. So on behalf of uh, myself, your primary contact, the Reverend David Pyle, who would love to have been here, but who is a military chaplain and is serving this weekend, and the entire staff team, we stand ready to work alongside your leaders to ensure that your congregation remains the thriving and vital place that it has been for many years. I've been here many times. I uh, used to come here to meet right on right there with the growth committee and Sandra Fees. And I was here for the ordination of the Reverend Scott Samler Michael as well. The installation of a minister is both affirmation of the congregation's call to the fabulous Reverend Maria and a commitment on the part of all to work in common purpose to build a beloved community here in Harford County and to bring our Unitarian Universalist values into the public square in the wider community. I can think of no better example of the ways in which we as Unitarian Universalists live out our covenant to walk together in the service of love and justice than the installation of a new minister. This is an important and historic day for the entire congregation, all of you here to witness, and for Reverend Maria. I feel honored to bear, to bear witness as well. So congratulations, and may this ministry bring you deeper into covenant with one another and with Unitarian Universalism. May your hearts be filled with joy as you together bring a new and transformative ministry into being.
friend once offered me a metaphor, a metaphor of community being the net that can catch us when we are falling. Each action we take towards affirming our relationship with one another, no matter how small, no matter how grand, ties another knot in that net. It makes it stronger, makes its mesh finer, and less likely to break when we fall. And there's a kind of investment that we make when we become the knot tires. For each knot we tie, there are tens and hundreds, even thousands of others that are tied by others. And we tie those knots in the simple kindnesses we offer to one another. We tie them in hospitality and grace and in sharing a meal together. In celebrations such as this one, or offering our helping hand into doing the work, no matter what the work is at that moment. We tie those knots each time we forgive, every time we offer a little more than we think we can. We tie those knots every time we just show up from one another, just showing up and being present. The net works in its catching because we have all invested in it. The more knots we tie individually, the stronger the net becomes and the more likely the net will catch us when we fall. The net is not community. The net is salvation. Because we all fall at some point. And I don't know anyone who is not at one time or another in their life that they haven't been falling. There's a falling that happens when we are suddenly faced with a life-changing medical diagnosis or the falling that happens even when we become parents perhaps for the first time and our whole world is turned upside down. There's a falling when we lose a job, our marriage, someone we love. Or sometimes life is just going away, going along, just dandy. And something happens. An accident, 
a storm, and we begin to fall. And when we are falling, the thing we need most is something to catch us, something to arrest the fall, and just give us the chance to start again, something to save us from falling forever. So we need that net, that net we've invested in as a community, the net we've been creating as part of a community, communities as small as our families or big like a church or even bigger like a denomination or even bigger like a country and a world. So I'm going to ask you today, this is my job today, I'm going to ask you something. I would like you to tie another knot in that net. I'm going to ask you to do so from one of your most fungible resources, your money. And I'm going to ask you on this day of grand knot tying, this day as we affirm your call for Reverend Maria McCabe to be your religious leader, to make this a grand and generous gift, one a bit larger than you thought you would. Our gifts today will be split between two nets. One net is the Living Tradition Fund of the Unitarian Universalist Association. It's an important net for the religious professionals of our faith. Each of the clergy here, including Reverend Maria, followed the call of the heart to service. And as it turns out, loving people is oddly not a path to wealth. <laughs> I still don't understand why. Any reasonable financial advisor would tell you to find another line of work. There's the educational debt, first right, right off the bat. Seminary is expensive. It's become the norm for students graduating with tens of thousands of dollars in debt. More than a quarter of the students today will leave seminary with more than $50,000 in debt and that is on top of what other debt they carry from their earlier education. Debt that they are willing, gladly, happily taking on in faith that their call to ministry, their call to loving people will make it all just work out somehow. And sometimes it does. But more and more often, immediately after seminary, we can begin to fall. This falling may continue throughout their careers. Most will make something work, second jobs, a spouse maybe that can support the family, a settled ministry in a church that can pay fair compensation. But even then, there are times when we can, like anyone else, begin to fall, those medical expenses, accidents, emergency home repairs. For all of these and many other circumstances, the Living Tradition Fund was established to be the net that can catch our religious leaders when they are falling. The fund provides need-based scholarships for students who have completed at least one year of education. It also helps new ministers reduce the burden of high educational debt and repayment. And then as our careers move on, it provides emergency assistance to seminarians, to ministers, to religious professionals, other congregational staff, retired ministers, and their loved ones. 
So that's one. Another net. On September 20th of last year, Hurricane Maria struck Puerto Rico. And we bore witness to that destruction. And the complicated and slow response to aid and the powerlessness, both the literal, there are still some parts of Puerto Rico that don't have electricity today. And hurricane season has started again. But there's also the powerlessness, the political powerlessness, the social powerlessness. These fellow Americans, these human beings that are not treated as such as our political institutions still do not offer them the worth and dignity that we assert that they inherit as human beings. But we can do something today. We can tie stronger knots and weave that net of salvation. So half of today's offering will go to the Maria Fund aid to aid Puerto Rican people at their grassroots, helping to develop a just and sustainable Puerto Rico for the long term. The funds are to be distributed to support organizing efforts on the island and are managed for and by Puerto Ricans. Because who else has the relationships and the knowledge of their land? to know where it will be used the best. So both of these funds, the Maria Fund and the Living Tradition Fund, are parts of larger nets woven by communities such as this one right here, and they are worthy of the fullness of our generosity. So I'm going to ask you today, I'm going to ask you to offer your boldest gift, your grand knot in that net. Maybe find that extra 10 or 20 in your wallet to go with the one that you've got out in your hand right now. Maybe write that check for just a little bit more than you thought you would. And there's one more thing. I learned from a friend, a congregant of mine, that there's a tradition in some communities in India that when offering money, they, offer, they often add the equivalent of an extra dollar. So $50 becomes 51. $1,000 becomes 1,001. And she explained to me the extra dollar represents the open-endedness of the gift. It says to the receiver, there's always more, always just a bit more. So today I invite you to add that extra dollar to your gift to represent that there is always more to share. So let us take up this offering in gratitude for our abundance and the blessing of tying one more knot in that net so that we may catch not only ourselves, but everyone, everyone, without exception.
is our custom to have a prayer before we hear from our prophetic words of our installed, newly installed minister. So I invite you to bow your heads, open your hearts, however you see fit to communicate with the holy. Spirit of life and love, Nuestra Señora, we are so grateful today to be gathered together to consecrate this new ministry with this congregation. We are so excited to open our hearts to Unitarian Universalism as we move towards universal love and salvation for all. And we know that that love is based in the liberation, the comfort, and the care of everyone in our communities. And we know that this work does not come without cost. And we know that the lived experiences of everyone gathered in this room means that those costs are borne differently. We know that those with black and brown bodies, that that cost can be our very lives. And we honor the discomfort and the anger and the sometimes confusion that this work can bring to our congregations and our communities. Spirit of life and love, Nuestra Señora, help us remember that this universal love is big enough for all of us. And that the ultimate goal isn't for all of us to be discomforted together, but the ultimate liberation of us all together. Spirit of life, remind us to listen to the voices from the margins, to center them in our discussions, and then to listen to them and do their bidding because they know what they need. And we ask that we remember all the reasons why we come together as Unitarian Universalists, the love that we have for each other, for our congregation, for our faith. Nuestra Señora, please help us remember that as we are building the beloved community, it can be difficult and joyous and spirit of life and love. We ask that each of us bless each other, everyone gathered here, as we do this work to help us practice Unitarian Universalism, not just on Sunday, but every other day of the week. And that we reach out to our neighbor that we haven't seen, to the elders that might be homebound, to a new family that might just need a meal, or even just the offer of a meal. We ask that we remember the best parts of ourselves when we're angry and confused and dissatisfied with each other. And we ask that all who are gathered here today remember the beauty and the joy that this day is as we build the beloved community today and all of the days to come. And the church said amen.
So when I was visualizing my preaching, I thought I was going to be coming up out of the congregation with my motete. So I'm just pretending that I'm doing that right now. <laughs> Maria, later, whatever Maria can explain to you what a motete is. But it was important for me to have one. Hello, beautiful people. Hello. Thank you so much for inviting me here to preach, to share my love with you all. May you hear these words with the love in which I bring them. You too. When I first started out in ministry, I was not as lucky as Reverend Maria, or even soon-to-be Reverend Connie. No, it took me two years to receive a call to settled ministry, and when I did, it was through the first UU Church in New Orleans in 2005. My wife, Allison, and I arrived in mid-August, quickly unpacked, hung artwork on the walls. We were so excited and wanted to have time to explore the city before the work of ministry began. Finally, at 11 o'clock that night, Friday, August 26th, pleased with our work and with ourselves, we sat down to watch the news, only to discover a humongous hurricane heading straight for us. Less than 24 hours later, having packed up what we could, we were headed to Texas. In those 24 hours that had transpired, many conversations had taken place with the board chair, who was reluctant to cancel church on Sunday and with the ministers of the other two churches until it became apparent that getting out was the thing to do as everyone was running around getting gas and cash. Let me just say right about now, this isn't something they teach you to handle in seminary. <laughs> oh no, in seminary we are all starry-eyed about what our first settlement would be like, what we'll do, the congregation we hope to find, the honeymoon we'll have, the causes we'll fight for together, the children we'll teach, the sermons we'll preach that will raise the roof or the hairs on the back of your neck. You get the idea. Five months into recovery, we were thrilled to be celebrating that we had three people who wanted to become members. Even though our church was closed and slowly being gutted by the wonderful UU volunteers who showed up on our doorstep and still do down there. And we were worshiping in a nearby Presbyterian church. It was heartening that these three folks wanted to commit further, even if it took a hurricane and a flood to make it happen. So here's what I gave those three members whose very act represented hope for the small but mighty congregation that was hanging on, not really knowing what the future held for any of us. Each one received a heavy-duty contractor's bag. 
and inches of space. This is a mini version to show you. And inside this contractor's bag was placed gloves as we extended the hand of the community and hoped that as they put those gloves on, they would choose to help rebuild our beloved community in all the ways necessary. A mask for those inevitable times when they might be at their wit's end and even unable to force a smile upon their neighbors, in church or out. The mask would do the work for them in a flash because it looked like this. <laughs> no work required. It also included duct tape because we knew that sometimes, although they may be the new kid on the block, we may need them. To call, we may need to call upon them to hold it all together for us in that moment. We trusted that they would know when was the best time to stick it to us. <laughs> and finally, wipes. In an attempt to give them the power to wipe the slate clean when needed so that we could begin again with love, always with love. I gave these gifts to the three, but then I also wanted to honor and acknowledge their individuality. So one person who was always seemingly throwing us a lifeline with her artistic ideas got rope. Should we find ourselves slipping over the edge of details so she could toss it out to any of, and all of us who may need to be brought back into the loving arms of community? Another received a flashlight. Should we find ourselves wandering around in the darkness so that she could shine its light and lead us forward? And the third received a brush in case we found ourselves mired in the dust of the past, that in her wisdom, she would know what to sweep away. At a time when we were all in deep pain, literally removing the muck and mire from our lives, I needed to do something uplifting that I would need to do on my own because my cadre of church volunteers, whose lives were in varying degrees of disarray, were limited. It was clear they loved their church community because they showed up every Sunday, even though for some it gave them the heebie-jeebies to be in a Presbyterian church. <laughs> for those who lost cars, there was someone there to give them a ride. There were people helping clear out other folks' homes, even though theirs was still mud-filled. People who had the capacity to cook would bring extra food to church for anyone who wanted it. In fact, for the first three months, Allison and I lived with the Sexton in nearby and dry Metairie, 
where he would cook us wonderful New Orleans food as if to say, it isn't that bad. Here, have some dirty rice and beans. <laughs> I tell you this story mostly to say this as you begin your own story together. Regardless of how it turns out, chances are it won't be this challenging. <laughs> I tell you this because context is everything. I tell you this because however your story turns out, it matters. It will matter to you and to the rest of us in the wider UU world because you are one of us. And you have chosen a minister of color. And it's not that we are better than white ministers or special or smarter, although that is true sometimes. <laughs> it's that the ministry is different. By virtue of coming from another culture, we see and experience the world in many hues. The more ministers of color they get settled and have vibrant ministries within churches or covenanted communities in the wider world, the stronger we become as a faith community, the more relevant we remain in today's fast-changing multicultural world, the more we actually live our word. So what would you offer, Reverend Maria? one of the newest among you, as you build comunidad, community with her and together. While I am not here to charge you, the members and friends, nor the minister at this installation, I am here, in my mind anyway, to offer you gifts. But first, let's just acknowledge that ministry is hard. And building comunidad, especially beloved comunidad, is even harder. And yet, both have been chosen. Okay, let me correct that. The first has been chosen, or Reverend Maria would not be here today. You have chosen ministry, and you have chosen a Puerto Rican minister, and she has chosen you. You have begun a story that too few of our congregations have gotten to write yet. Therefore, to work toward beloved comunidad together, it too must be chosen repeatedly. It is not a given. It must be chosen not as a goal to be checked off at the end of one, five, or ten years, but as a way of being with one another. In choosing it, you choose an expansive gift that can only be lived. It is to take a leap of faith into building a new reality together. The truth is, the reach for beloved comunidad is a lifetime commitment. In the same way that being the most honorable Unitarian Universalist you can be is a lifetime commitment. It is a practice and one that we teach each generation as it manifests. It is, if you will, 
our modus operandi, how one rolls, what you bring back to the table over and over again when somehow, in spite of your best efforts, things go awry as they are wont to do. To imagine otherwise is not realistic and muddies the waters, makes it hard to see and think clearly. Choosing to be in community, beloved or not, is to choose to learn what that means with every bump and scrape that comes with it. There is a reason some people don't choose to be in community. Mostly they can't be bothered. Being an individual, individually making oneself through the world in an individual kind of way, without care or consideration for the other, is all that is desired. But to choose comunidad, community, is another thing altogether, with its main gift being the opportunity to discover or uncover who you are by being in relationship with each other. South African social rights activist Archbishop Desmond Tutu likes to say, my humanity is bound up in yours for we can only be human together. He understands that the potential of human beings working collectively to achieve goals is infinitely greater than the potential of any individual. This is known as Ubuntu, which is the idea that humanity is based on the plural and not the singular. We are strongest when we build together. And it is true that doing anything together also has its challenges, but it is all part of the story you are writing, a story that will be a part of our collective Unitarian Universalist history. And although many of us in our respective congregations may feel alone, either at times or always, I wonder if we are only as alone as we keep ourselves. There are many in New Yulandia who will come if one just picks up the phone, opens the door, emails, texts, posts on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, sends a flare. You get my drift, right? <laughs> because, as my beautiful colleague Teresa Soto likes to say, all of us need all of us to make it. All of us need all of us to make it. I can never say that sentence once. So these are my gifts to you on this fine day. After careful consideration, I have chosen a compass. that you may determine together what is your true north and always head in that direction when and if you are lost. That when one of you is lost, you will actively look for the other to bring back into community. In writing this, I had the image of a field and how people come to help find the missing and they make a line across the field and they walk forward together as they search. 
There is a concerted effort and a sense of unity in the finding. There is a sense of relief in often the words, we thought we lost you. Sometimes there is a cheering and life feels good again. I have brought with me a starter kit of compasses for anyone in the congregation who would like one as a talisman of sorts of this day and this message. <laughs> if MJ or Diane might want to take them and put them in the reception area, I would be very grateful afterwards. To Diane, oh, I discovered it's Diana Rudolph. Will you come forward, please? I give you this compass that comes with the words. No, wrong line, sorry. I entrust you with this compass to be handed on to each successive president chair for as long as you all deem appropriate. You will see that it has imprinted on it a fleur-de-lis, a French sign that is all over New Orleans. In this way, you will be connected to that hearty group who are still growing strong and know that whatever challenges you are facing, it is not as bad as a hurricane or a flood. <laughs> to Maria, I give you this compass, and get it out of the bag, that comes with the words on the back of it of one of our saints, Henry David Thoreau, who wrote, go confidently in the direction of your dreams, live the life you have imagined. But also with the words on the case that says, not all who wander are lost, so that you can discern when it's time to send out a search party or not and limit the wild goose chases. And finally, because who feels excluded? <laughs> and finally, to everyone present, and I particularly would like the ministers present to make sure you take one before you go, and our regional representative as well. I have brought little purple hearts to connect you to my church the UU Church of Medford, Massachusetts. As you can see, purple is my color, but what you might not know is that love is my way. I gave one to each person in my congregation, and we now put them in our welcome bags for the visitors. This is our talisman to hold as the power of love guiding us in all we do, especially when being loving is the last thing on anyone's mind. <laughs> we are human, after all. 
I will place these, or my helpers will, <laughs> in the reception area. May the story you are writing begin as a sanctuary that honors all of you in all of your particularities. May it be filled with passions that fulfill the undeniable truth that Unitarian Universalism is a saving grace, often experienced by newcomers as a feeling of coming home. May this exciting moment where you have chosen, but whereby you do not as yet know where you are really heading, be the impetus to try new things, be innovative, and yet bring tradition along as well, for the two are not mutually exclusive. You and Reverend Maria are the stewards of this community by virtue of having chosen to be a part of it. May this be a place, as Starhawk has written, where there are people to whom you can speak with passion without having the words catch in your throats, where a circle of hands will open to receive you, eyes light up as you enter, voices celebrate with you whenever you come into your own power, for community means strength that joins to do the work that needs to be done. Arms to hold you when you falter, a circle of healing, a circle of friends, some place where you can be free. Que así sea, so may it be, blessed be. <laughs>
We are gathered here today to install the Reverend Maria UT McCabe as the sixth minister of this fellowship. In our living tradition, the authority to choose a minister lies entirely within our congregations. This is a meaningful and joyful occasion. We recognize that this act symbolizes a covenant together. We covenant to rededicate ourselves to the values of this religious community and the liberal religious tradition of which it is a part. We have chosen you as our minister. We have called you to live among us, to make our concerns your concerns, and to lead us as you are enabled in the paths of understanding, righteousness, and peace. I covenant to serve this community faithfully, to make your concerns my concerns, and to lead you as I am enabled in the paths of understanding, righteousness, and peace. We would have you preach the truth to us in love and freedom. Are you willing to take up this obligation? I am, with your help. We covenant to remember that the work of this religious community belongs to us all. Just as we would ask you to be patient toward our failures, we covenant to remember that you are human and can falter. We recognize that we bear a responsibility in your material welfare and your spiritual development. We pledge ourselves to maintain the freedom of the pulpit and the pew. Will the members of the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of Hartford County please stand in body or spirit? We are ready and willing to take upon ourselves these obligations. Therefore, we, the members of the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of Hartford County, do install you as a minister of this church and do offer you our encouragement and assistance in discharging your duties among us. With great joy, humility, and gratitude, I take up my duties among you. May our association together promote justice, righteousness, love, and the divine in all life among the people of this community and with all humanity. not know if you know this, my dear Maria, but I had heard a lot about you before we actually met. Our colleague, the Reverend Kathy Ellis, liked to brag on her intern. <laughs> my intern is fabulous. She's so smart. She does such good justice work. She's such a wonderful preacher. Blah, blah. <laughs> Naturally, I was suspicious. But there was one point she wanted me to understand above all of your other 
outstanding qualities. Maria, she told me, <laughs> was someone who was as well accessorized as I was. <laughs> Naturally, I was appalled. <laughs> That's my thing. And then I met you, and you were a gifted preacher, and a wonderful justice advocate, and you had fabulous shoes. <laughs> Which I'm standing in front of the pulpit so you can see mine. <laughs> And thus began a friendship that matters a great deal to me. And I, when asked to do the charge to the minister, badly wanted to do a charge about shoes. <laughs> I badly wanted to do a charge about self-care and the importance we take when we get a manicure, even when someone is dying. That is the charge. It's important. People. <laughs> that is the charge I wanted to give you. So I would like you to take that one as red. Unfortunately, that is not the charge I am here to give you. That is a charge for easy times and comfortable people. And we do not live in easy times, though many of us are very comfortable people. One of the things that you continue to teach me is that the easy way is never the right way. That telling our truth matters more than being comfortable. And so here is what I would say to you this day in this uneasy time amongst these many comfortable people. We do not live in easy times. We live in a time of crisis. We live in a time of crisis in our country. We live in a time of crisis in our world. And we live in a time of crisis in our denomination. And it is not new. The legacy of white supremacy and historical oppression that has lived with all of us for all the history of this still soul-saving faith has never gone away. But there are moments when those comfortable people are forced not to look away. And this is one of those moments. This is one of those moments in our country and this is one of those moments in our denomination where we are offered the beautiful opportunity to look ourselves in the face and admit who we are. And in moments such as these, leaders emerge, not because they are magically more equipped, but because the call that is shouting at every single one of us, they choose to hear and they choose to respond to. And you are one of those leaders. This church showed the incredibly good sense <laughs> and more than I think they yet understand bravery of calling you. They have called one of our leaders 
And we would like to think that the calling is the work. The calling is the easy part. It's the listening that's the work. Leaders can only take us so far. And that is what I want you to think about, my dear. Ministry is not an inherently lonely profession, but we can make it so. We can make it so when we think we are the answer. When we think only we can do the work, when we think that others cannot. Because we are called to serve, we sometimes confuse service with sacrifice. Sacrifice for and to, sacrifice of ourselves on the altar of something bigger than us. Service is not sacrifice. Not unless we're all sacrificing together. So here is my charge to you and to step on Kate's toes a tiny bit, my charge to all of you too. Lead. Don't carry. Serve. Don't sacrifice. And hold the rest of us to the standards you hold yourself to. We are at a moment of great possibility. And these people, I think, will follow where you lead. Because if they do not, <laughs> you will lead elsewhere. Leadership is hard. Don't make it harder. And lead wearing fabulous shoes. <laughs>
I have a tendency to be gullible. Gullible. I can be duped. I can. Years ago, years ago, I rented a house to a guy wanted by the FBI. <laughs> I discovered that he was wanted by the FBI when I saw him on the six o'clock news with his mug shot. <laughs> yeah. Here's what I've done, though. I've learned, and I've chosen intentionally chosen again and again to assume good intentions. I have chosen again and again to trust. To trust. Because, frankly, I don't want to be a cynical old lady. I don't want to be a jagged, jaded worldview holder. That's not who I want to be. So if I get duped now and then, so be it. So be it. But in this world that is feeling so broken and shattered trust again and again, where facts and lies are intertwined in this braid of indistinct threads, where emotionality and hysteria greet us tweet by tweet, it's been said in the past, it takes eons to build trust and seconds to shatter it. I invite you to choose to trust again and again, lest we all be left as victims in a world of betrayal and pain. I found a wonderful quote from Martha Washington. Not only was she the wife of George, and I lived down there right next to Mount Vernon, at Mount Vernon Unitarian Church. <laughs> she was a widow single parent of two, having already given birth to four, but buried two of her children and left a widow, wealthy widow, but still in her era, I can't imagine the stress she went through. You want to have me switch out? Okay. We're going to turn that off. Excellent. All right. We're going this way. All right. Let me just take this off. It didn't pop when Marta had it. I'm just... Mm -hmm. I'm wearing purple, too. I'm telling you. So Martha Washington, she had some incredible, incredible challenges. And what she said, though, in her stress, for I have also learned that the greater part of our happiness or misery depends on our dispositions and not our circumstances. This is a plea for perspective that can be chosen. The other quote that I love comes from Viktor Frankl, concentration camp survivor, author of Man's Search for Meaning, who said something similar when he said that the concentration camp was designed to strip away the last of human freedoms except one, the choice of one's attitude in a given set of circumstances. Both Martha Washington and Viktor Frankl chose despite the enormous baggage that they carried. The weight of past baggage, that's my metaphor, similar but yeah, bag, bag thing going. But the baggage, this is a great metaphor that's often used in therapy. You've probably heard this. The idea that we cannot take old baggage with us when it contains dirty clothes. We have a new destination, new needs. 
We have new experiences on the horizon. Nobody wants a dirty snow parka at the beach. Here in Harford County, you're beginning a new trip. Now, this is where the metaphor gets a little problematic. I'm not asking you to repack the bags that you've been carrying. Because then you have to promise to repack them again in a few years, and that gets more complicated when you're trying to wonder when the time is to pack the new bags. I'm asking you to do something else. I'm asking you to put the baggage down and open it up and see what's inside that you've been carrying around. Don't push back the pain. Take a look and see what's there. You can do this by paying attention to your trust with Reverend McCabe. Learn that she is a highly trained professional with many skills and an enormous capacity to love. You can trust her to help you look what's in that baggage. When you're ready, when you're ready to turn out into the larger community, you'll need to figure out what to focus on. You and Reverend McCabe have a powerful, powerful, fabulous, indispensable item that needs to go into your luggage. Imagination. Imagination. You are entering into an incredible opportunity to reimagine who you want to be in this world. What do you want to be together? Most important, why do you want to be together? Why? That powerful tool of imagination, you can find your vision, you can inspire each other, you can inspire your neighbors, and then you can find out why of that creative impulse. Let me ask, how many of you have Apple devices? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, that's what I thought. Quite a few, quite a few. Do you know why Apple sells so well? Because it's cool. It's very, very, Steve Jobs knew that people wanted personal computers, and he created the why. His partner, Steve Wozniak, created the actual Apple One. Jobs sold the pitch on why, because it's ultra cool. Since I have a long, long time Apple user, I am ultra, ultra cool. <laughs> Martha, Martin Luther King Jr. brought the people together, not necessarily because they wanted to hear him preach. They knew it would be good, but that's not why. They wanted to end racism in their lives. Ending racism is why they risked their lives, why they marched, why they went on strikes, and why they went to D.C. in a hot August day. Let me tell you, that sucks. You'll need to listen to your visionaries. Figure out, if you don't already know, who your visionaries are. For they hold the creative impulse to see into the future and connect that to your passions. You also will need a good foundation and a healthy process. The nuts and bolts, so to speak. So that when your passions run hot, you have something to hold together. And this, frankly... Make sure your bylaws, your finances, your policies are in good shape. These are not necessarily the same people. The visionaries and the bylaw people, they're not the same people. (laughs) 
They can play well together, but don't put them on the same task. Just don't do that. But do keep your bylaws, your policies simple. Keep them simple. But they hold you together when the passions run hot. Reverend McCabe will help you with the vision. She will help you with the nuts and bolts of the how. And together you'll figure out the why and tap into your breadth and depth of creativity. Now, I've read your history. I've looked at your history, and I know you can do this. It took vision to buy this property, to build a new religious community. A lot of hard work went into creating this community, and it was all worth it because you had a why. Were folks tired of driving to Baltimore? Yeah, probably, no doubt. It's worse today. I think they came back to their home community because they wanted pluralism, religious pluralism in Harford County where none existed. They planted a light here, a beacon of hope for religious liberals. You are now carrying this vision forward. You can no longer afford to be a small beacon. As lifelong Unitarian Universalist, I am deeply committed to this faith, and I hope you share with me the why, because this world needs to ensure that there are always people tending the fires of our liberal faith. This flame here in this chalice is a beacon pulling others out of darkness, others living on the margins, and it shows that there is a safe haven in these frightening and difficult times. I'm going to geek out for a moment. Back to the 16th century and the Protestant Reformation, the inspiration of Francis David. Yeah, Francis David, who preached from a rock. He stood on top of a big old rock to the city of Kolishfar about the one God. And you carry forward to Joseph Priestley, who was burned and hounded out of England and bringing the Unitarian faith to the United States and helping. Next, we have on our escape route from the Jews who created the flaming chalice as a symbol of freedom. We have been responsible for this on the margins of our neighborhoods so that they know they have not been forgotten. And remembering our enduring universalist faith, the love of God for all, long condemned by the church and the persecution of John Murray right out of England, who helped us create a faith, and right into the hands of Olympia Brown, the first woman ordained by a denomination in this country. You are now carrying this faith. You are now carrying this faith in Harford County. So I charge you, do not let this flame go out. Metaphorically, you know that, right? Okay. Yeah, right. Together, build trust. Intentionally choose that trust. Putting down the old baggage, take a look inside. Then use your imagination. Create a fabulous new relationship together, and then go out there and help save this world. You are needed. You are needed. Blessed be. Maria. Is our privilege and pleasure to present to you on behalf of the entire congregation this stall. 
and it re represents the, the union between us, you, and the Unitarian Universalist of Harford County. This stole combines two important symbols. The Cokie frog is the national symbol of Puerto Rico because like the Puerto Rican people, these little frogs are resilient, their voices are loud, and they will be heard. <laughs> this is why the Cokie frog, along with our chalice, are perfect symbols of the commitment we now share with you, Reverend Maria. Together, we will be resilient, and all of our voices will be heard. see what happens with this microphone. <laughs> I don't feel like dancing. Part of the story. Part of the story. Part of the story. Okay. There we go. So today, we've done an amazing job of honoring this congregation's exercise of its authority to call a new minister, the beloved Reverend Maria. You chose her because she embodies the principles and the values that are important to you in a minister. Ministers are so much more than just Sunday morning preachers, as you've learned. We're teachers, preparing others to do the work of justice and life, giving them the skills, the strength, and the support they need to be in community with others, showing what is possible in the world. Ministers are evangelists. I know that's a charged term in some spaces, but it does also mean proclaiming something that is of value. Yeah, give me it up. All right. We'll turn that off. All right. So in that regard, ministry is telling people who we are, that Unitarian Universalism promotes the inherent worth and dignity of every person, supports our environment, honors each person's search for their own personal truth, and supports immigration justice, ending racism, and LGBTQ rights. Ministers are community builders, creating connections among and between congregants, providing pastoral care, and being present during the important moments of their lives. You chose Reverend Maria because you see in her that spirit and spark of light and justice that moves and encourages her to do this important work. The laying on of hands is an important tradition in many religious communities. In Judaism, the laying on of hands accompanied the conferring of a blessing, as when Isaac blesses his son Jacob by laying hands upon him or when Moses ordains the 70 elders in the book of Numbers. In Christianity, the laying on of hands is a method of invoking the Holy Spirit, encouraging others to faith, and even recognizing the call of the recipient to the clergy. In Unitarian Universalism, we have adopted the laying on of hands. 
to encompass all of those things and as a way of sharing our love and joy with the subject. So it's for all of these reasons that now we will do a laying on of hands. Reverend Maria, please step over here, dear. You step over here. We talked about whether we would cry. And I'm going to try not to do that. Yeah. Well, if you do that, I'm going to cry. <laughs> so, my beloved, my sister, I'm going to start by asking you to lay hands on your own heart. To remember your own wise counsel. How brave you are. How courageous you are. How loving you are. Always remember that. And now I'm going to ask you to step over so we can do the family laying of hands. And I'm going to ask your family to lay hands on you. As a sign of their love and support. And now I'm going to ask my sisters, our clergy and religious professionals of color to come forward. And we are going to lay hands on you so that you know that we are always with you as a buffer when things get hard, when things seem out of control. I'll ask the rest of our clergy to lay a hand on the person in front of you, reach across. There's a lot of us here. As long as you are touching someone who is touching someone, as your colleagues, we have your back. We will support you through your ministry. I ask the members of the congregation now to reach out and put your hand on someone who has a hand on a hand, on a hand, <laughs> yes. By, by laying your hands onto this human circle, this human pile, you are evidencing your commitment to provide your love and support to Reverend Maria as she moves forward. And now, all other members of the community, if you don't have a hand on somebody, you need to now. <laughs> because we are all bound together. We have heard it many times today. None of us is free until all of us are free. So on this day, my beloved, we celebrate you, your ministry, the beauty of your soul. We celebrate this congregation and the work that you will all do together. You have our love and undying support today, tomorrow, and all the days to come. In the name of all that is holy, we say amen, amen. blessed be, blessed be. Ashe, Ashe, and may it be so.
one of these works yeah, I'll try this that. one <laughs> waiting for the pop waiting for the pop dear ones beloved friends colleagues members family you have filled my heart and I thank you and I invite you to go with blessing go out in peace enjoy the reception and come back in love <laughs> 